0: I'm Jorge Salazar, reporting on SC16 in Salt Lake City, the 28th Annual International Conference for High-Performance Computing, Networking, Storage, and Analysis. The event showcases the latest in supercomputing to advance scientific discovery, research, education, and commerce. On the podcast today is Kelly Gaither, Director of Visualization at the Texas Advanced Computing Center. She's also the Director of Community Engagement and Enrichment for EXCEED, the extreme science and engineering discovery environment funded by the National Science Foundation. EXCEED identified 20 graduate and undergrad students to participate in a week-long event at SC16. It's called Advanced Computing for Social Change. Here is Kelly Gaither. Dr. Gaither, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me here.
0: Tell us, what is Advanced Computing for Social Change?
1: Advanced Computing for Social Change is an initiative that we started to really use our collective capabilities here at TAC, and more broadly, across the supercomputing centers across the nation, to work on problems that we know have need for advanced computing, if you want to think of it from data analysis, data collection, all the way to visualization, and everything in between to really work on problems of societal benefit. We wanna make a positive change using the skill sets we already have.
0: What do you mean by societal benefit?
1: So for example, one problem that is has really bubbled up to the top now is the data and the rhetoric and the conversations around Black Lives Matter movement. We are looking from a very data-centric standpoint. Initially, what we talked about was, is there a way that we can use data analysis, computational modeling, and visualization to have a rational conversation, take a very data-centric look at the problem, and have sort of a level playing field where we can have our personal experiences inform some of the decisions we make, but not necessarily with all of the emotion that tends to come with people's personal experiences and people's personal situations. We want to have a very data-centric view so that we can perhaps predict some of these civil uprisings around Black Lives Matter and be able to take a look and prevent further loss of life, give people some rational basis for a conversation, but really show people what the data looks like.
0: Why did you choose Black Lives Matter? How did that come up?
1: We chose Black Lives Matter, um, one, as a result of working with some students at Exceed 16 in Miami. There was a very large group of African-American students, one in particular, and I will spare his name because I haven't asked him if it's okay to actually share it. I told my personal journey to advanced computing, sort of how I got into college, where I came from, thoughts that shape my um, cultural bias, if you will. I wanted to know a little bit more about these students. It was probably the most diverse group of students I'd ever seen in high performance computing. I wanted to know a little bit about them. The world, I don't think it's any secret that the world right now looks volatile and it looks I would say significantly more troubled than it looked when I was their age. Um, Maybe it's the point I'm at in my career where I really wanna focus on giving back. Maybe it's really that I realized um, when talking and sitting down with these students that by and large, they don't really remember a time when there wasn't violence of some sort that was a part of their everyday life. Whether it was 9-11, whether it was domestic terrorism, whether it was school shootings, whether it was gang shootings, whether it was in their community. These kids have never known anything else other than that. Many of these kids, most of them of color, were afraid. They were afraid for their futures. It wasn't really so much the same kinds of fears that I had when I was a college student. These were fears that were around living and surviving, rather than economically driven fears. Am I gonna get a job, and what am I gonna do? Am I gonna be able to pay for my family? It just made a huge impression on me and Linda Ackley, who was part of the team, and Rosalia Gomez, who was part of the team, she's here at TAC. We sat down, we recognized that at that conference, we had a little bit of magic. You could just sort of feel this magic in the air Um, when we sat down with them, when we talked about what their interests were. We really got to know them and they really got to know us. We sat down and we tried to, as scientists and engineers do, deconstruct so we could identify that piece that we thought really kind of tipped it over to that magical point. And we talked about the fact that we were able to really talk about problems everyone can wrap their head around and that matter to them specifically. Um, One of the students that I was referring to earlier had been stopped three times on the way back from the library um, because he was a six foot three tall black guy in a hoodie with a backpack on. He is told to carry his student ID card with him at all times It has become a part of his everyday life. I think with what we're seeing on the media and talking to these kids and knowing that this was not an isolated incident, we really felt a moral and ethical responsibility to do something about it. And out of that came the idea. It was really the idea of doing advanced computing for social change was born at that moment.
0: Would you talk a little bit more about this project? What's its status and what do you hope to achieve with it?
1: We will have our inaugural challenge uh, at SC-16. So we're going to meet with the students here in the next couple of days. I fly out tomorrow to go uh, to SC-16. We will bring in 20 of these students from the cohort of students that were at Exceed 16 in Miami, roughly 60 percent African-American, 40% women, very diverse backgrounds, very diverse races, religions, ethnicities by design. We are going to teach them data analysis and visualization and a little bit of computational modeling by looking at data sets that we strongly suspect or in some instances that we know have influenced some of the issues around these violent uprisings and some of the police shootings of young black men and women. We brought in a sociologist, Ruby Mendenhall, from the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. She has helped us look at policy data. She's helped us understand what economic policies have sort of driven us to this point. We've got several data sets. We've got police killings in the line of duty, we've gotten police officers, data around police officers that were killed in the line of duty, Um, how many police officers per population, census data, crime statistics. We have social media data. We have foreclosure data. So we've gathered an awful lot of data. And we are going to, at the challenge on Tuesday, the week of SC-16, We are going to take a look at it, and we're going to look at the trends over the last 10 to 15 years, and we're going to ask questions, teach these kids how to rationalize their way, given heterogeneous data sets from lots of different sources, how can we ask questions, and how can we get answers that are backed by data?
0: You want to let the chips fall as they may and and see what the data is actually showing.
1: We do, and we want we didn't want to go in with everything predefined, knowing what the answers were. We want a little bit of an organic process where we look at the data. I already know some of the results of the data just from what I've seen playing around with it and gathering the data, but we want to be able to explore in collaboration with these students who are living with these issues. And we want them to be able to have a voice. This is where personal experiences do matter, where this is something that may be very different from what we might theoretically think the experience would be like, but someone who's lived it actually has personal data, qualitative data that can say, no, this is the situation as it really is.
0: Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about these students, the SC16 Social Action Network, who's in it, and what issues and causes are important to it.
1: These students are a cohort from the Exceed 16 student program in Miami. One thing we know about engagement with students is that if you're really going to make some sort of longitudinal impact, some sort of significant critical point in their decision to move forward in education, you have to have a persistent presence in their lives. It's not good enough to have one-off programs where you provide them opportunities, show them a little bit of something, and then hope something good comes from it. What we want to do is plant the seed and we want to continue to water it. So this is just the first of many challenges. And since it's around social change, we'll be able to evolve with changing times. Given the outcome of the election, I can imagine what, what the next social uh, action challenge will be. Um, we may want to look at how we actually got to where we are, what the sentiment is across the nation um, with the discontent, with the sort of the disenfranchisement of voters in the Rust Belt. We may want to take a look at that. So this is also a very emotionally charged issue taking a very data-centric look at it, finding some explanations for why people make some of the decisions that they make, and trying to take the conversation more towards the data rather than towards emotions. That might be our next challenge. But we want to teach these kids the tools that they need to be able to analyze this kind of data, to be able to build computational models around them. These students come from a variety of backgrounds. So we've got two, I think, that are in the social sciences, which are non-traditional fields for advanced computing or high-performance computing. We've got computational chemistry, computational biology. These are extremely bright kids, and they're extremely motivated. They just, more than anything, they want to go back home and give back to their communities. We don't have any interest in pulling people, doing brain drain out of their local communities. We want to teach these kids to look at these problems, look at these issues, try to give back and work on problems that are relevant in sort of the microcosm of their local community, but also on problems that are important to us.
0: I guess one question people might have is, um, why now? Why do you feel that this is the time to see advanced computing for social change?
1: I think now is the perfect time. One, because we have this perfect storm of um, fear, uncertainty. We have a perfect storm of violence being sort of a means of resolving conflict. It is startling as someone who's later in their career, who did not have to deal with this set of issues, who has children. I'm a mother of two kids, almost 21 and 19. I wanted, you know, perhaps it's me being at the point in my career where I want to work on problems. I want to work on things that do make a significant impact for my community. But it became very clear that some of these problems well, many of these problems actually are much larger than any one individual investigator, even small teams, it's going to require a diverse group of creative people from diverse sets of backgrounds to really put their heads together and bring their skill sets to the table to be able to solve them. We've seen this when you look at problems like global weather and climate change, Um, you can see that that's sort of the scale of problem, although it it has sort of a very specific set of skill sets that it needs. But you can see that that's the scale of problem that takes many, many, many heads. That really is where the sum of the individual parts really is. You know, the whole is greater than any one of the individual parts added together. But this particular problem, particularly ones that people are engaged socially in. These are these very hard problems where there isn't a clear answer. It's going to take creativity. It's going to take thinking outside the box. It's going to take data assimilation. It's going to take data analysis. It's going to take computational modeling. And it's going to take the ability to be able to visualize them to be able to see what the answers are, but to be able to communicate that out to the broader public. It just seemed like no better time, actually. I am concerned for future generations if we keep going this way. I'm concerned that if we don't put a stake in the ground and say that this is the perfect time to really focus our efforts in this area, we're not gonna solve some of these issues and we're we're gonna get worse and not
0: better. While you were talking about this, I realized I skipped ahead on one of my questions I really wanted you to address, and that is maybe talking a little bit about some of these ways that the students will use supercomputers to understand these issues that you've discussed.
1: In the challenge, we'll use something. So in the SC16 uh, Social Action Network Challenge, we will bring together a variety of data sets that certainly, from a data perspective, That's certainly, if you can think of social media data across a number of years, across a relatively large geographic region, we're gonna go back to Ferguson, Missouri and look in that specific region. That's a lot of data to mine through. If you wanna do it in a timely fashion, you have to be able to organize the data You have to be able to query it very quickly. So those are some of the things that we're gonna work with the students on. We're also going to use a computational modeling tool, risk terrain modeling from really just crime statistics, predicting crime in different areas. Where I was introduced to it was in our work at TAC with the Cook County Hospital, where they were trying to predict child maltreatment in an effort to be able to put some programs in place to prevent it. What we decided to do with the first challenge with the Black Lives Matter movement was to take a look at these civil uprisings around the Black Lives Matter movement, around the violent killings of young black men and women, take a look at the data surrounding it, see if we can go back to known events, find any causal or predictive factors, and see if we can use those to perhaps the way Cook County did, prevent these civil uprisings in the future. And these civil uprisings, you know, there's civil uprisings all around the world, whether it's the cause is Black Lives Matter or whether it's people in Chile- having a civil uprising around um, economic downturn or around sort of the social condition there, we want to be able to put some measure in place or some model in place and perhaps be able to predict and prevent in the future these civil uprisings.
0: Who are the users of this information?
1: That's a good question. In some respects, we don't know. In fact, we talked about having psychologists there at the Social Action Network in case there were findings in the data that were particularly upsetting or traumatic for people who have experienced this firsthand. What we are hoping to do initially with the findings that we come out with is we're hoping to publicize it, send it to academic publications, but also to communicate it out to the lay public. Um, This is one area where I think we're going to grow this initiative at TAC. We want to be able to have a closer connection with our local community, and there are a number of issues that we can work on that would make a significant difference here in the local Austin community. We want to be able to have a closer collaborative relationship with the community, and we're hoping this initial challenge will communicate the benefit of us working on problems like this and then perhaps engage them to work together as a team on problems going forward.
0: What's the most important thing you want people to know about advanced computing for social change?
1: The most important thing I want people to recognize with respect to advanced computing for social change, one, even if you're not in advanced computing, I think it's everyone's... Responsibility to try and give back, to try and work with the community, to try and work on problems that we can see that affect not just us today, but what we can see coming for future generations. Um, The second thing is, I think what we are going to find and what I'm hoping to communicate is that an inclusive team that has diverse. Races, ethnicities, genders, sexual orientations, backgrounds, religions, make for extremely creative teams. There is an economic benefit to getting behind inclusion and diversity. It's not just a noble cause. It's not just trying to do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing it really is an economic imperative that we educate our diverse student population and that we create these diverse inclusive teams and apply this collective brain trust to these very challenging problems
0: dr gaither thank you for speaking with us today
1: thank you so much
0: you've been listening to kelly gaither of the texas advanced computing center From SC, the International Conference for High-Performance Computing, Networking, Storage, and Analysis, I'm Jorge Salazar.